Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Rhetorical Chimes. This episode, we will be covering the rhetorical appeals and devices in the article by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. As always, each of our guests will cover a section of the articles, sharing their own expertise with the audience. Our first article is, How to Sustain Momentum for the Anti-Racism Movement. Carlos will give us his analysis of the first half. Thank you, Juliana. So yeah, in the first paragraph, Jabbar writes, My old UCLA coach, John Wooden, used to quote Walt Whitman poem, and it reads, I've been hearing it echoes on the streets lately. The people protesting systemic racism and bowing change are singing with open mouths their strong melody songs about America that could, that could be and that should be. So what do we get from this paragraph? First of all, Jabbar uses epigraph. As he implies a quote typically written by a different author with credit given and introduces over changing terms or messages in the work. In my opinion, echoes cannot be created without a voice and singing cannot be used without a purpose. The people are singing in the streets to achieve change about social injustice in America. That created ethics as he creates a bond with the audience by using inclusive language that represents everyone in the role as everyone has a personal voice. The word singing makes an allusion to people's voices calling for change, which has a full melody song. It's beautiful. And having a beautiful connotation leads to pathos. The outer creates a bond with the audience about protesting against injustice to the black communities. If people keep singing with open voices, we could achieve a real change. In the middle of the first page, Jabbar states, Interminable passionate public support stretches its forward despite those anchored in the past pulling it backwards. So even though some people help to stretch the band of the civil rights, there are always other people who will stop the band stretching and eventually stop it. So by remembering the, remembering the founder of the civil rights movement, Luther King Jr. as the first person who started to pull the band forward and even gave his life because of this cause, the use of logos is implying this sentence as he can be considered considered an expert. Referencing the people who pull the band backwards creates an allusion to the government and racist people, as they are responsible for the death of more than fifty thousand deaths and the decrease of the black community's population. Antithesis is also implying this sentence as a part contrasts the idea of people pulling the band to achieve a real change and the people who stop this process of change because it will not help their, help their business, which refers to politicians, because the stop of racial injustice could help a candidate to get a lot of votes, even though they do not have any intentions of solving this problem that has been going on for over 65 years. And lastly, Yavor relies on past events, as he writes, An unarmed Eric Garner was shocked to death other in the same words as George Floyd, I can't breathe. So why is Floyd's death suddenly a revelation, an epiphany, but Garner's wasn't? In 2015, police killed more than 100 unarmed black people. So shock to death are horrifying words that have a negative connotation, which creates a use of pathos as a implies a range of diction to, re- to create a range of emotions on the reader about police brutality on black communities. Hypophora is also implying this sentence 
Algebra raises a question about why is the death of clothing more important than more than 100 ordinary people that have also died in the hands of police, which eventually he proceeds to answer. There is also a use of logos. Algebra relies on the statistics shown in the leak provided by him in the text, which is used to verify his claims about police brutality and the amount of deaths caused by police. Jabbar is very intrigued to reveal the real cause of why the black campaigners are in prison over the past few years, and he blames the law as the main reason, but also the amount of power police have to shock a person to death and not being responsible for it. The system should change in civil rights, which is the main topic in this article. Change will only come if the singing starts again. People should sing to achieve change because the echoes on the streets will be the only opportunity to acquire a real difference. Thank you. Now Juliana will, Juliana will take us to the second half. Thanks. To continue, on the bottom of the second page, Jabbar writes what the Reverend Martin Luther King wrote in his letter from a Birmingham jail in 1963 still holds true. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. was a prominent figure during the Civil Rights Movement during the 1950s and 60s. Topic at this point of the argument is about dedication to social justice movements, making him a relevant expert to include and a use of logos, legitimizing the author's following point on how a simple statement of support without action is not sufficient. Additionally, the inclusion of his reverend title instead of doctor emphasizes his role as a moral leader, as reverend invokes a Christian aspect, making use of pathos. Ne Similarly, the top of the last page reads, The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. I tweak that a bit. The other greatest trick is convincing the world racism doesn't exist. Christianity is a religion with many different followings within the U.S. It's common enough that most readers would understand the author's reference to the devil. In Christianity, the devil is a completely evil figure, so subsequently a reader familiar with Christianity would develop a strong negative connotation towards the denial of racism, making this a use of pathos. However, the repeated phrasing of the greatest trick is an anaphora. In each sentence, the greatest trick is defined to be something wicked whose existence is globally denied. Positioning racism to be one of the devil's equals creates sympathy with the author's argument. It also invokes a strong moral rejection towards both things, making the reader have a more impassioned support of the author's point. And finally, the bottom reads, The moral universe doesn't bend towards justice unless pressure is applied. Here, anthropomorphism is a rhetorical device used by Jabbar. In itself, the universe is a non-human entity. Attributing the physical action of bending and the concept of justice, this makes it use of anthropomorphism. Nonetheless, the fictiousness of this sentence only reinforces the author's point. Obviously, the reader will understand the universe to be a place and not a person, synthesizes an understanding that change has no occurrence without a forceful endeavor. Overall, Jabbar in the second half of this article used a lot of theological related rhetorical devices and appeals having to do with themes beyond the human perspective, yet ironically I utilized to connect the reader to these human struggles. In each example, the author first introduces a person with a more glorified or transcendent perception leading them into something that has a less godly public image, like jail and racism. 
Jabbar's rhetorical peels and devices give the effect of bringing the reader down to earth, reflecting one of his calls to action, the diligent effort to overcome centuries of long widespread systemic racism to be able to enjoy ordinary life. Now, we will launch into our own second half of the podcast with the article, The Importance of Athlete Activists. Take it away! My name is Jane, and I'm going to start off by talking about the article, The Importance of Athlete Activists. This article talks about the controversies with professional athletes using their platforms to speak about political and social issues and whether it is appropriate or not. A couple examples of rhetorical devices that Jabbar uses are metaphors, alliterations, and hypophora. He attacks this article by using mostly logos, which is giving many statistics, background information, and examples of situations that occurred and had to do with the situation. At the top of the article, there's some background info on Jabbar, which is showing the audience that he has experience on what, she, on what he will be discussing, which is professional athletes. Going on to the second paragraph, he includes ethos by sharing personal experience. He says, But aside from having played basketball a couple decades ago, I am also a father, a businessman, an education advocate, a journalist, a charity organizer, a huge sports fan, and an American. This is effective because he is gaining trust in the reader by providing that he is an experienced and educated scholar. At the end of this paragraph, Hypophora is used when he asks the question, whose vacation makes them an expert on all social or political matters? And immediately answers with, as we've seen during the presidential campaign, even the candidates aren't experts, perhaps especially. This use of rhetorical device adds to his argument. Later on in the article, he states the single sentence, those days are over, over folks. Because it is in its own paragraph, it is effective because it stands out and it shows that it is a strong and important statement. On the last page, some ethos stands out from all of the logos that is used throughout while he says, Ali's sacrifice inspired me to boycott the 1968 Olympic basketball team to call attention to the rampant ro- racial injustice of the time, which resulted in people calling me un-American. He is making a connection with the audience by sharing some of his personal experiences having to do with the topic. The final paragraph ends with a lighthearted and positive message about democracy. This was a great and effective way to end the article, leaving the reader on a happy note. I will now be handing this article over to Michael to finish discussing. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Jane. My name is Michael, Michael Stuver, and I'm going to be talking about the rhetorical devices Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uses throughout his opinion piece. One example of ethos is, and I'll use the quote, Despite the fact that I've been writing about politics longer than I play basketball, many of my critics begin their comments with, Stick to basketball, Kareem. But aside from having played basketball a couple decades ago, I'm also a father, a businessman, an educator, an advocate, a journalist, and a a charity organizer. A huge sports fan and an American. Abdul-Jabbar uses his own past experiences in this quote to illustrate the as an understanding of the topic. 
By showing the viewer that he can connect towards the topic, Jabbar exhibits more of an authority in speaking, critically about athlete activists. He also includes some aspects of pathos in that he seems to be talked down to in the example given, showing that he too has experienced emotionally troubling times in relation to the topic. An example of logos that Abdul-Jabbar uses is this quote to supplement. In 1971, the U.S. table tennis team's friendly exchange with the Chinese team at the 31st World Table Tennis Championship became known as the ping-pong diplomacy because it softened relations between the U.S. and China, creating an atmosphere that allowed President Nixon to make an historic visit to Beijing in 1972. Abdul-Jabbar borrows a familiar story to logically support his claim to why athletes are exploited when such actions benefit the government. This is why this is an example of logos. He uses logic and facts to prove a point. This example helps illustrate the idea that Jabbar is trying to point out. And another example, this one being pathos, is the quote, Muhammad Ali learned that lesson in 1967 when he refused to be drafted into the Vietnam War on religious grounds and was convicted of draft evasion and stripped of his heavyweight championship title. Despite the verdict being overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court, Ali f lost four years of boxing bouts and millions of dollars. This is an emotionally troubling event, and this is why it would be considered pathos, as the author uses not only an example to support his claim, but an example that has emotionally tied images, Muhammad Ali losing his heavyweight championship title to and bring back the idea of athlete activisms. And my final quote in showing how well Kareem Abdul-Jabbar orates his points is, when it comes to game day, athletes are warriors whose acrobatic actions on the quarter field are revered by millions, emulated by children, and lionized in living rooms and bars. Their faces are on clothing, their likeness on video games, but when it comes to election day or any other day that involves expressing personal opinions about social or political issues, athletes are relegated to a locker room, ghetto, and told to keep their politics private, private as a jockstrap. Financially mixing sports and politics is bad for business. Jabbar wraps up his opinion piece with this very powerful quote, stating what we already know in a very eloquent way. And he uses a simile in he's told to keep the politics as private as a jockstrap in showing that many athletes are looked down upon when they try to speak up because they seem to be these brutes that no one can really see doing anything other than their athletic ties. And that would conclude today's podcast. Jabbar is quite a masterful and consistent with rhetorical appeals, especially logos and pathos, relying on them to convince his arguments. Thank you for listening on today on Rhetorical Chimes. Next week, we may cover Jabbar again or something entirely different. We hope you come back. We enjoy making these podcasts just as much as you like listening to them.